Anyways, it's good to be together, everybody. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're here. And uh, it's been uh, quite a time as we've been looking at different sermons on the cross here as we're heading towards Easter. And uh, hopefully you feel inspired. And I see we have Chris Moya in the house today. Uh, so I know the Moya family's happy back from Omaha. And uh, we're just grateful to have you back, man. Spring break, I'm assuming. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we're excited today. Today, I titled the sermon, Crossing Off Your Problems. So isn't that what we, what, wouldn't that be awesome? Whatever problems you had coming in, you can just take a big fat marker and just cross them out. And hopefully that's what church is about for us, is having, getting a perspective on our problems and really seeing God. And, and we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 1 and a little bit of 2 today. And really as Paul was writing to the Corinthian church because they had five problems. Right? We're going to talk about some of what those problems were, but he had heard uh, from, possibly he heard from Chloe, uh, Chloe's household, and uh, I know I hear about problems from Chloe too sometimes, um, but uh, he heard about the problems in the church, and so he wrote to them to address them and kind of get them squared away. And basically to confront their problems with the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And so his theme is when you have the right perspective on the cross and the resurrection, then your problems get put in the right perspective. And as well as a theology of love, because we all know 1 Corinthians 13 was a big uh, wedding verse and really inspiration on love. And so really the cross of Christ, the resurrection and love is an answer to all of their problems. That's a great thing. We have access to the same solution to our problems. And uh, I'm, I'm excited here. Uh, Corinth was an interesting city, uh, very uh, wealthy, uh, Diverse economy there. It was formed by freedmen. So basically all these slaves were freed and they all moved to Corinth to start this city. And you had Jews and you had people from all these different uh, ethnicities that were there. And so they started out, everybody was the same in a way. Um, and then they began to grow and certain people started to make more money than others. And then those people became more important. And then you started to have problems because you all started out the same. And you kind of get that idea, you know, the kid you went to high school with who's now making like five times more money than you. And you're like, oh, man, I remember when this guy was like this. And, you know, not that we would ever struggle with any of those problems, but uh, that was happening. They had a big temple to Aphrodite at the top of their big mountain there. They, uh, uh, Acro-Corinth, they called it, and um, people were uh, worshiping. Their form of worshiping their gods there would be with the temple priestess or prostitute, that that was kind of their worship, that if you were with the priestess, then you were closer to God. I'm I'm not making up a good theory. I'm just saying that's that's what they were doing. The city was known, it was almost synonymous, Corinth. And sexual sin. It would be kind of like you would say, Sin City. 
right? That's what Corinth was. And so that's where he was there. Paul actually lived there for a year and a half and wrote the book of Romans. Many people think he wrote the book of Romans while he was there and had Priscilla and Aquila that came through and uh, Phoebe, one of the deacons, came through there, lived real there. So it was an interesting place. And uh, we're going to uh, delve into it here today. But they had a lot of challenges, right? And so we're going we're gonna to try to solve all those here. Um, let's see, As we, uh, before we get going too much here, I had to share a little bit. Last week I talked about it. We went uh, camping, some of us, uh, out in the desert there. This was my journey to the Salton Sea. I took one of the washes and just went all the way as far as I could go. I was about like 400 yards away, and I saw someone else that was like stuck about 200 yards in front of me, so I decided to stop. And, uh, you know, but it was just a lot of fun. Probably one of the highlights of the, the weekend at the end, we, we have a service together that Darren usually leads. And one of the kids who's grown up in the church, and he's like, man, I miss this. Like, my friends don't do this. And he's like, this is, this is what church is supposed to be. And I just stopped. It kind of stopped me. And I was like, wow, that is right. It's, it's just about us being, loving each other, having a good time, being together, fellowshipping. That's why even in the fellowship break, I, I, you know, to see everybody just kind of having a good time and talking and everything, that's what church is supposed to be. Um, so what a great um, time here. This was us. Uh, this is a smudge pot for anybody who cares. Uh, it's like this big metal thing that you burn diesel fuel in, and it just throws heat everywhere. And there we are kind of hanging out around it. Clean energy, yes. <laughs> that was my gift for the weekend. The guy who had it, he wants to buy a new, better one, and so he gave me that one. So I'm excited. But I didn't bring it to the house, because huh? I didn't know if Danielle would want that. <laughs> and this is, this is uh, Jamin. He went, he went with us. He went for his first time. He, like, had the best time. This guy was like a, he was like a ninja. Like, he wanted to climb everything, and he was, I won't even say, but he was walking on these little things, and I'm just like, I'm not going over there, but you have fun. But all very well supervised, though. Very well supervised. Uh, he hears him. He climbed down in this little ditch type of thing and just having a good time. So that was fun, fun having him there. Um, I figured I'd share that because I know he would like that. Give him some air time. Okay, so let's get back to, let's have a prayer and we'll uh, get back to Corinth here. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for these minutes that we get to share with one another, that we get to share with you, uh, that we get to share with your words and uh, the words that were written to uh, faithful people long ago. God, I pray that you can uh, help our hearts today, help us to uh, not just hear, but understand. I pray you get me out of the way that we can really see you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to start reading in verse 18 here. And then I'll come back and discuss. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And I'm going to skip ahead to verse 30. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it is with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with elegance, eloquence, or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so we started talking last week about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. And here he's pulling people towards the wisdom of God, pulling them away from the wisdom that they are used to and calling them back to this faith that they followed, this faith that they uh, began with. And we're going to see that this church had a lot of things A lot of problems. Back to those problems. In verse 18 here, he talks about the cross being foolishness to those who were perishing and for us who were being saved. It's the power of God. And he uses that term, foolishness, a few different times. And you just get that flavor that maybe some of their things that they were involved in were foolish too. You know, he's saying, hey, we're, we're saved by the power, you know, we're being saved by the power of God. But some of the things that they were involved in were still those foolish things. They were still caught up, but he was calling them back and reminding them. And I went back and looked at Isaiah 29 uh, on this passage here that he quotes about frustrating the intelligence of the wise. And it's a really uh, interesting passage. God's basically saying that I'm talking, but you're not listening. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to you, but you're not hearing to Israel. Maybe that's what God was feeling about the church in Corinth. Maybe that's how he feels with us sometimes. Hey, I'm talking to you, but you're missing it. And he says that it's like when you read the scroll, it's like when you have the scroll, it's like it's sealed that you can't read it. Even though I'm telling you, I'm 
talking to you, you it's like you can't see it. And then he also says it's like you're, I give it to you to read, but you, you don't know how to read, and so you, you don't understand it. And so you can picture um, Paul thinking about, man, I'm trying to get you. God's trying to get you. He's trying to get you to follow his wisdom. He's trying to call you back, and yet it's, it's like it's not. the words aren't even happening. You know, we talked about taking up our cross daily and following Christ in our lives and just taking that mantle of sacrifice and love versus this power and desire to dominate and command and and wars and all the things you can just look around and see this wisdom that God has that seems foolish to people right I wonder if they felt alone as Christians. They're like, no one understands what we're trying to do. Like, why am I live? Why are you living this life? Why are you sacrificing? Why are you giving money? Why are you laying down your life for others? You ever feel that way? Like, no, no. Maybe that's how they felt. Like it's foolish. You know, we. Um, as Darren was doing the lesson earlier on our trip, he was talking, it just made me think about life's journey that he's given us this access to forgiveness. You know, he's given us this access to being clean, this place to start over. Anytime we want, we can start over. Recently had a conversation with some of the guys at church, and it started out like this. I was at work today, and I really messed up, and I cursed at my boss. This is that church. And so someone else is like, you know what? I really messed up today, too. And everyone's trying to coach everyone else of like, hey, This is what you need to do, and here's a scripture for you, and here's the way back, and I'm glad you were honest about it, and now you can change. You know, Jason mentioned the spirit of repentance, the season of repentance. It begins when we get honest and get vulnerable. And as everyone was talking, and it made me realize what we have, what this power of the cross is, that we have access to forgiveness. That we struggle, that we're, but we know where to go. We know where the, the source is. And just thinking about the foolishness of the world, maybe it's that they don't have a place to go to be clean, a place to start over, a place to access power from God. You know, um, over time, our lives take us different places. If I was going to ask you today what your problems are, I bet you got some. Right? I bet you're holding on to them. You came in with them. Hopefully you won't walk out with them as many, but you came in with them. and And yet, over time... Or not over time. I mean, day to day, we struggle. 
and we're, we're fighting something, or we're battling, we're praying, we're asking, we're waiting, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're like that brother at church. Hey, I messed up. Right? And yet, over time, God takes us from nothing to something. He, he's, I didn't even read that part, but he says, you know, you weren't, not many of you were impressive when you started this, and now look at you. Look what God's done. And today, as I look around, I see, man, not many of us, what, what were we before? And what has God done? And yet we struggle at any point. If you ask him, we're probably struggling with something. And yet over time, God lifts us up to this life that we never should have had, that we never could have had on our own. That's the power of God. Over the long run, God lifts us up. He takes care of us. He molds us. He blesses us. And we can see it. If we, get, if we can take a step back and look at from 30,000 feet, we can see, man, God has really taken me from here to here. I never would have done that on my own. We, you never would have done that on your own, many of you. But because of the cross, God's changed you. And we have this time to see it and to be grateful. And I think even um, as we were, we were gone, it, it was kind of a time to reflect and just thinking about, man, I was, now that my son Connor is out of the house, many of you know him, and, you know, it was, it was kind of a sad thing. Being out there, my little buddy's not there. You know, it was always like, we're going to go have fun, but it's even like extra fun with him there. And just thinking, you know, as Jamin was there, he's actually what reminded me that like he's a 13-year-old kid and he's hanging out with all these grown men, right? Families and jobs and stress and everything, and he's hanging out with us and... And it, I was like, wow, I get to be like Darren Yester for him. Darren was that for Connor. Many of you were that, Chevy and Abe and others of you. And he, you know, that we get to raise our kids like that, and that's the power of God. None of his friends get that. None of, none of Connor's friends had that. People that he could look up to and talk to. And that's the power of God that we have. And yet in the day-to-day, it can seem so challenging. Where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law, the philosopher of the age? They had all these different philosophies that the flesh is evil and the spirit is divine. And I told you about the prostitution and all that weird stuff and... Chapter 5 deals with all, 5 through 7 is all these problems, sexual problems. Prostitution, adultery, immorality, in the church. Not out the church, in the church. 
right? He's helping them to talk about marriage and how it, this mutual relationship that this is what love looks like. That's not what love is. This is what love is. And he's calling them back to denying themselves and looking to Jesus for love and direction. And he's saying that our bodies matter. That our sexual integrity matters. That it's worth fighting for. That you can't just let yourself go that you got to fight these things that war against us. But the cross gives us strength to fight. It gives us endurance. It gives us hope. He talks about what everyone was looking for, wisdom or different things. And Chapters 8 through 10, they struggled with This meat that was sacrificed to idols and whether they should eat it or not eat it. And it was kind of a really weird setup in the city, too, where it'd be like the that door would be the maybe the temple where they were worshiping other gods. And maybe the other door would be that's where they would be selling the meat. And then maybe the Christians would be over here. So. They were around all this. It wasn't like you had to go different stores all over town. I mean, it was all just right there. Idol, idolatry and the meat. And, of course, some people feeling like, hey, God created meat so we can eat it. If we're grateful, right, that's right there to eat. Others, I don't know. I used to worship over there, and now I'm going to buy the meat over here, and then I'm going to go and think about what they were doing over there and, just all these things and still others thinking that those gods are just pieces of wood. Anyway, they don't do anything. It's just a tree. And yet they were guided by love. Even though they knew that was just a piece of wood. They, would, they wouldn't eat the meat if it was going to cause one of you to struggle. And just that community that's guided by the cross is guided by love. You know, this weekend there was a number of times and, you know, when you're with your friends and everybody feels comfortable, you know, everybody's saying all kinds of crazy stuff and our friends make fun of each other and, you know, it gets a little crazy at times. And and I found myself a few in a few situations where I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to say that. I had it ready. You know, it's right there. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's encouraging. That's not the right... I don't want to go too far with that. And I'm not saying that to brag, but it was kind of a new thing. And I think, I tell you, I've been reading Proverbs so that I wouldn't just say whatever. If I'm comfortable, I would use self-control and let love be the determining factor by what I say or don't say. And so it was a reminder, like, oh, wow, okay, I... I, usually, I would probably say that, but I'm going to hold back. And that's what love does. right? It's not just whatever, whatever I want to say, I'm going to say. No, it's not whatever I want to say. It's whatever God wants me to say. It's whatever's going to build you up. That's in there too, right? That's chapter 12. Build up the body of Christ. That we're all a part of it. We're all important. We're all valuable. 
you know, what a great example that we get to be because of the cross. Because it teaches us to say no to those kind of things. This year, what an example of love we get to be. When everyone's fighting and throwing dirt on each other and yelling at each other and criticizing, lying, whatever they're doing, we get to let love govern us. And not just us in here, but we get to let love govern us with our enemies, a.k.a. people from the other party. That's how it is these days. Not in here, hopefully, because we have the cross with us. But we can see people, not just who they are or who they associate with. They miss seeing people. And so they were causing each other to struggle by what they ate. And they said, oh, who cares? I don't care if you struggle. That's your own problem. Sound familiar? That's not the cross. That's, that's us. That's humanity. Chapters uh, talks about boasting in the Lord and He says he came without eloquence or human wisdom. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that Paul didn't have eloquence, right? You read some of his writings, you're like, man, this guy was, this guy was sharp. He was good. He had it all flowing, but he wasn't focused on that. He was focused on Christ. And probably the most, I don't know if it was most alarming, but the, their gatherings were another source of problems. Their church meetings, their assemblies. They were getting together and they were talking over one another. When when Chloe got married, I realized that our family does that. I don't know if your family does that. It's like one person's talking, another person gets an idea, and they just like talk over them and make the other person stop, and then the next person does it. And and we're just like, oh, that's, that's how we, I didn't even notice we did it. And then Brandon comes in, he's like, man, your family's rude. <laughs> I was like, oh, I never thought about it. That's just how we are, right? If you're not, if you feel it strong enough, that means you can get your idea out there. And <laughs> probably not a good thing. So <laughs> they lost. They were chaotic. It was chaos, interrupting each other. And you know, I mentioned the the body metaphor of all the different parts. And in Corinth, they had these hot springs, kind of like us. They had hot springs and people would go there to be healed. And when their body part was healed, they would leave like a little clay remembrance or something. Like if you healed your hand, they would make a little hand out of clay and leave it around these uh, hot springs. And so that might have been where Paul got that inspiration. You see all these little body parts around. He's like, hey, that's like the church where all different parts of the body that have been healed I don't know. That was just me reading into it, but I'm like, yeah, they had Olympics there. They had these body parts there. He was relating to them. And just thinking about building up the church, and I talked about that last week a little bit. Instead of thinking about what we don't have, to realize what we do have. Instead of thinking about what our church doesn't have, or what we used to have, or what we want to have, to focus on what we do have. And to 
make a difference with that and to give and to be faithful. And I, my, I love my one sister. Her favorite, one of her favorite saying is, you know, what if everyone is the, in the church was like me? How would it be? That's a good question, right? If, if, if you show up, if you're a giver, if you just sit in the back, in the corner and don't talk, or, you know, like just that, man, this taking ownership of our church. Amen. And this is a time when I believe God wants us to take ownership of our church, of your church. This is my church. No, it's, it's your church, too. It's everybody's. It's all of ours. But to, to, to step up, that's kind of what Paul was saying, that, hey, it's time to be that. Be that body that I died for. Be that body that Jesus put together because he raised you up, because he was raised up. Now let's, let's live that. Let's be that for each other. And let's be governed by love in that. And I, I, I'm excited to see people, this, even this year, I feel like people have really stepped up to serve, to give, to help one another. To, just the spirit seems different. And I want to encourage you for that because I think it's because a lot of you have said, hey, this is our church. We are, we are going to be devoted to God and to one another. We are going to... Read our Bibles. We are going to show up when, when, for those opportunities. We don't want to miss those opportunities. And get back to some of the things that we have, that have made that difference, like I was talking about before, from where we started to where we are. It's because of God working through all of you. Through all of you. Let's be the body that Jesus called us to be. Amen? And as we take communion there, Paul said that he was resolved to, and I, I love even his vulnerability saying, hey, I, was, I came in weakness, I, I came in, in fear, I came in trembling, and they were criticizing Paul, and some people were saying, who is Paul, why is he so great? And he's like, hey, I'm just the, I'm just the brother who was trying to bring you the words of God. I'm trying to bring you this message of the Spirit's power and the cross. That the resurrection is what we get to look forward to. It's Jesus' victory over death. His victory over evil. It's all those promises that we can trust. All those problems that we can overcome. With the power of God. We have hope. We have hope. And I pray that today, even as we take communion, that you remember what Paul closes out the book in chapter 15, talking about the resurrection, that we're going we're gonna to live again. We're going to get new bodies. That this resurrection is part of us. It's not just the power. He says that he uh, Resolved to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified, but that wasn't the full story. It was him crucified and him resurrected. And that's what we have in Christ. And that's what we get to recognize as we take communion with one another today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, we can bring all of our problems to you. 
We're thankful that you gave us Jesus, that you gave us the cross to show us what true power is, what true love is, what true humility and sacrifice are. God, I pray that we won't depend on ourselves, that we'll listen to your words, that we'll hear and understand this wisdom that comes from you, that's informed by your word and leads us. God, I pray even now that you guide our thoughts, help us as we try to navigate this life. God, help us to be grateful. Help us to see your power at work around us and even in us and and show uh, that love and gratitude towards you. God, thank you for Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection. I pray that can really be uh, the center of who we are uh, as people, as of who we are as your people. And we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.